Okay, it's great to have everybody here. I want to thank all the different kihilot and rabbanim that have, that have joined us uh, this, uh, for this Oshana Rabbah. And, uh, you know, one of the downsides of being a rabbi is that you don't get to go to different shuls to hear what other, your colleagues are saying every Shabbat. So this is really a special opportunity to hear Divrei uh, Torah from our chaverim, from our fellow uh, rabbinic colleagues, and it's really, really a pleasure. It's, it's a real ta'anub to be able to be, uh, to be a part of this. So let's, I have a question for you. What is the, what is the wrong way to leave the sukkah? And what is the right way that a person should leave the sukkah? Okay, yafeh. So, okay, so not cooking the sukkah. Ariel, were you considering cooking, kicking the sukkah that you decided, like, who kicks the sukkah? What, where does this idea of kicking the sukkah come from? Anybody knew? Huh? The goyim, nachon, nachon, ravitamar, the goyim. Okay, so the wrong way to leave the sukkah is one shouldn't kick the sukkah. We're going to talk about that. And what's the right way to leave the sukkah? What's the, you're supposed to do something when you leave the sukkah. You're supposed to kiss the wall? Okay, I never heard of that one. Interesting. Okay, Yishmash Yibazah, fine, okay. Yiratzon what? What do you Yiratzon? That we should? Okay, Yafemo, good. Pinchas is on to something. Okay, Ani Ani Okay, there's a wrong way to leave the sukkah. There's a right way to leave the sukkah. I want to talk about... I want to talk about the contrast between the wrong and the right way and draw out some lessons from a, like a really bizarre, fascinating midrash, which is actually codified in Halakha, in the Shulchan Aruch. So the wrong way to leave the sukkah is found in Masechet, Avodah Zarah, Daf Bet, Daf Gimel. This is a famous, famous story. Rav Tzvi sort of referenced it, and it's a story of Kabbalat HaTorah. Hashem goes to all the nations. They don't want to receive the Torah. Hashem gives it to the Jewish people. But then the nations come back and say, wait a second, we were never really given a chance. It's not fair. Okay, you gave them an advantage. So Hashem says, you know what? I'll let you fulfill the mitzvah of the, mitzvah of the Torah as well. What mitzvah does Hashem give the non-Jews? The mitzvah of sitting in the sukkah. Okay. They have, to, they have to sit in the sukkah. What happens? Everyone makes a sukkah. Wow, these non-Jews are really tzaddikim. They fulfill the mitzvah. What does Hashem do next? He's got a trick up his sleeve. God makes it, he brings a chamsin. It's boiling hot. Okay, 100% humidity. You can't possibly sit in the sukkah. So what do the non-Jews do? Everybody kicks their sukkah and they leave. Now, the Gemara itself says, but wait a second, we also leave the sukkah. Who here slept in their sukkah all seven nights so far of Sukkot? Or six nights of Sukkot? <laughs> Any hands? I don't mean to put anybody on the spot. but okay, okay, who here got one night in? One night in the sukkah? Anybody? Okay, got one night. Okay, why? So this is exactly... So why, why one night and not all the nights? Because it's hard to sleep in the sukkah. If it's uncomfortable, you're allowed to leave the sukkah. It's a halakha. Jews are allowed to leave the sukkah. So wait a second. Non-Jews leave the sukkah and we say, look, look how terrible they are. And the Jews leave the sukkah and we say, ah, oh, okay, what is this? Different standards. It's a double standard. So what's the Gemara's answer? It's true. We're patur, a mitzvah, patur min sukkah. If you're uncomfortable, you could leave the sukkah. But we don't kick the sukkah when we leave. We don't kick the sukkah. We say, oh, 
you know, I wish I could really fulfill the mitzvah. I can't. It's very hard for me. I'm leaving, but I, I'm going to come back. This is not the way. You don't leave the sukkah kicking the sukkah. Even if you have to leave. There's an important lesson here. Talking about chinuch. Ilan was speaking about chinuch before. Now, sometimes there are, there are the like really big moments in life. They're really sort of low points. And then there's the, the average, the neutral. Most of the time we're just sort of you know, sort of uh, moving along, you know, cruising through life. And sometimes there are great moments in our families' lives, in our communities' lives. Sometimes there are really, you know, really tough moments. To some degree, the test that we have to pass is what do we do? How do we behave in those really tough moments? Do we kick the sukkah? Do we get really angry? Do we say things that we will never be able to take back? that will stay seared in the mind of our children, of our spouses, of our friends, of our fellow congregants forever? Or do we, do we know how to, even moments of, 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 you know, you're sitting in the sukkah, it's boiling hot, do we know how to walk out and, and not kick the sukkah, but sort of hold it in and restrain ourselves? That's the difference between, we believe, okay, Am Yisrael, and okay, what the non-Jews do, at least in this, this Agadah. That's how not to leave the sukkah. But how should we leave the sukkah? We leave the sukkah with a tefillah with an aspiration, with a hope. And what is that hope? Again, it's a very bizarre one. Okay? Yeshen Hagu, the Shulchan Aruch writes, in Siman, Tafresh, Samech Zayin, Kishyahayu Yotzim Nasukah Yomrim, Yiratzon, Shenizkeh, Leishev, Besukah Shel Livyatan. It should be your will, Hashem, that we should sit in the Sukkah of the Livyatan, huh? Of the Leviathan, not the sukkah of the, uh, the Kotel HaMa'avi. Okay, the sukkah of a Leviathan. What's a Leviathan? What's a Leviathan? In English, it, it, I'll tell you what it is in English. It's a Leviathan. Okay? What's, uh, what's a Leviathan? Anybody know what a Leviathan is? It's a whale. It's a whale. It's a whale. Nachon. Nachon, if you go to a place called Hermanus, which is about an hour and a half outside of Cape Town, you can see where the, the great whales, where they spawn, okay? And I remember going there a few times. You see these whales, 80 feet in length, huge. And they come right to the coast. It's an incredible, uh, it's an incredible wonder to see, the, uh, to, see these, to see these whales. That's the Leviathan. The Leviathan has a special role in the Torah itself. We're told in, uh, in the story of creation, Vayivra Elohim et hataninim hagedolim. Hashem creates the great Taninim. And Rashi tells us, what are these Taninim? This is the Leviathan. This is the Leviathan. These great whales. Interesting historical fact. What is the largest species to ever be created on planet Earth? Huh? The blue whale. Even larger than dinosaurs. Okay? Leviathan is the largest species to ever be created on the face of the Earth. That's why the word Vayivra is, is very rare in Parashat Breshit. Only use Vayivra. Hashem creates et Adam, et Samo, et Salehim, That's Adam, but also the Livyatan is also the word Bara. For the other creations, Vayitzer is used, or uh, Vayas, Hashem, Hashem creates. But, but Vayivra is unique because the Livyatan is a unique creature that is distinct from, uh, from all others. Now, if we look at the Gemara and Masachet Bavabatra, there are two fascinating midrashim, both in the name of Rabbah, Amar Rabbi Yochanan. And Rav Dani was talking about Rabbah, two, two, one other Rabbah. Amar Rabbah, Amar Rabbi Yochanan. Atid HaKadosh Baruch Hu, la'asot su'udah la'tzadikim, mi'besaro shel livyatan. In the future, the feast that all the tzadikim will partake in will, be, will come from the meat 
of the Leviathan. Okay, Rail, is Suzanne going to partake in this in this meal? What do you think? She's not upset. She's not okay. <laughs> that wasn't the answer I thought you were gonna give, but okay, fine. Okay, this is the this is the Basar Shalivyatan. Somehow the meat of the Livyatan is exquisite, is 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 some is a culinary delight that even the great Sadiqim get to eat Dafka from the Basar of the Livyatan. I'm not sure how you put this on a braai. Okay, I'm not sure how it works, but Apparently, Agadosh Baruch Hu has a bride that's large enough that everyone can, uh, that Tzadikim at least, can, uh, can eat his Livyatan. Now, Rabbi Amar Rabbi Yochanan says another comment. Atir Agadosh Baruch Hu, la'asot sukkah la'tzadikim, me'oro shel Livyatan. Hashem will make a sukkah with the skin of the Livyatan. Now, a few questions we have here. Number one. Is the skin of a Leviathan even tasty? I mean, is this something that a person would want to eat? Why dafka the skin of a Leviathan? But number two, are you allowed to use the skin of a Leviathan for the schach? Yes or no? No. Why not? Yes, no? Why not? Why not? And nachon, it doesn't come from the, from the ground. Okay? So why... So wait a second, the tzaddikim are going to sit in a sukkah that's not kosher? What are we referring to here? We must be referring to the walls. We're going to sit, imagine you put your hand against the wall of the sukkah and you feel this like mushy, you know, brine. Like, you know the stuff that's left from a gefilte fish uh, container? That's what the side of the sukkah is going to, imagine how that, what that smells like, okay? That's what the sukkah is going to be like. Worldwide whale wall. World Nachon. So what do we what do we make of this of this midrash? And clearly the Yiratzon is based on based on this midrash in Masechet uh, Masechet Bavabantra. And by the way, the great tzaddikim, those who are at the top of the list, they get to eat the rosh shel haliviyatan. They get to devour the the head of the, uh, the liviyatan. Did anybody uh, have a rosh shel dag? By the way, this uh, rosh hashanah. Yeah. What about the head of a lamb? Anybody have the head of a lamb? I was very, uh, a lot of gratitude. We were given gratitude tonight. My wife bought the head of a lamb this, uh, this Rosh Hashanah. We, we had a head of a lamb. So Bezrat Hashem, though, well, this is just the beginning. We're going to have the Rosh of Aliviatan one day. Okay, Now, I want to draw out some lessons from this, a number of explanations. What is going on here with the, with the, with the Orsha Leviathan, the Basar of the Leviathan? I want to share with you a number of explanations, each of them, I think, meaningful and connected to Hoshan uh, Rabbah, Sefer Breshid, Hatchalat HaTorah. And how do we go into this year? How do we leave the Sukkah and how do we enter this year? So number one, the, uh, there's a famous biblical scholar by the name of Umberto Casuto. Now, Casuto uh, draws upon, he argues that this notion of, of a of a Leviathan is actually a mythical idea. Okay, there are these legends and Canaanite literature and other, other uh, worldwide literature about this Leviathan, this mythic creature. There are people who go to northern Scotland. Why do they go to northern Scotland? David, why do they go to northern Scotland? Huh? For the whiskey tours, right? But these people go for another reason. They go to search for the sea monsters in Loch Ness. Okay? The Scots are able to pronounce the Chet. Okay? Uh, most non-Jews can't. The, the Scots are able to. I was in Loch Ness. I didn't search for sea monsters, but uh, I was there once. And, uh, and he, he explains, the Torah actually includes these, these sort of myths in the Torah itself, but the Torah has a different perspective on them. 
who created these mythic monsters. They're not their own independent, powerful demons or gods. HaKadosh Baruch Hu Elohim. Hashem is the one who created these, these Taninim. Hashem is the ultimate power. Okay, and according to another Midrash, Hashem is going to slay one of the Taninim, the female, there are two of them, and that's actually the, what he's going to use for the... Uh, for the uh, now, what's the, what's the significance of this, of this idea in Kasuto? That part of the Amim Naraim, part of Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur, Hoshana Rabbah, Shemini Atzeret, Hashem Melech, Hashem Melech. If there's one idea that we've been trying to internalize in our lives, Hashem Melech, there's one king, V'yitnu Lecha, Keter Melucha, Right? Lekel orech din. Right? Keter yitnu lecha. Adir, adirenu. Every single line of the tefillot that we've been saying, it all goes back to Hashem hu ha-melech. Okay? And we're hoping for this period. Why is this so significant? Can you imagine? Think about all the bad and evil and wicked leaders that we have in the world today. If we changed one thing about them, the world Mashiach would come. All we need to do is, if they just believed in HaKadosh Baruch Hu, they just believed Hashem Melech, they wouldn't do the terrible things that they do. This is what we're hoping and praying for. That everyone should recognize that HaKadosh, everything is in HaKadosh Baruch Hu's hands ultimately. He is the one in full control. And if human beings actually believed in this, they would act morally. Right? This is what we're praying for. This, I believe, is the first message of, this, uh, of the Leviathan. Now, let's move on to the second message. The second message is that the Rambam tells us something which sort of runs counter to this. The Rambam tells us in Hochot Shuvah, he tells us in the Hakdamat Parak Chelek, that what is the ultimate, what is the ultimate benefit that the Tzadikim will merit to experience in Olam Haba? What is it? Is it 70 virgins in heaven like the Muslims say? What is it? Uh, it's the... Nachon, they're going to sit down at Tzadikim Yoshvin v'atroteyen b'rosheyem v'nehenin miziva shechina. They're benefiting from the light of Hakadosh Baruch It's not some physical. They're not sitting and having a meal. They're not just devouring, you know, and, and eating and filling themselves up. It's not kashmiut. It's dafka dvaim ruchaniim. The ultimate good are, are are pleasures that are spiritual pleasures that transcend the physical. And I spoke about this a little bit on Shabbat Shuvah about glak kosher hedonism. Uh, Rav Aaron Lichtenstein uh, coins this idea. But the, uh, the Rambam says, this doesn't really fit into the Rambam's worldview, that the ultimate good is a spiritual good. But I want to I sort of moderate the, the Rambam a little bit with a piece in Rabbeinu Bachia who says, you know what this meal is? So how do we explain this meal of the Livyatan? This is the last meal that the Tzadikim have. It's the last meal that they have, and they're eating because by eating this unique food, the, the Oroshal, the, the Basar, the Livyatan, this will give them strength to enter higher spiritual realms. They're eating for the sake of spiritual elevation, as opposed to eating just lemale at kreso to fill ourselves up and to just to feel good. Now they're eating. Actually, it's the last supper. It's the last meal in order to then uh, to then uh, you know engage in the in the spiritual. And I, and I think you know the uh, Sukkot is all about uh, celebrating in the Sukkah. The uh, we, we're, we're happy. We're happy with our with our chelik in life, but part of it is also all of this is a jumping off point. It's a means towards higher spiritual elevation. Okay, third point. If you had to consider a sport, if God had to play one sport, what would that be? What would that sport be? What sport does Hakadosh Baruch Hu play? Is it bowling? Is it is it rugby? Is it NFL football? What is it? 
So Hashem actually plays a sport. What sport does God play? And it's probably golf. Golf is the most, the most heavenly, right? Right? What, what, what sport does God, does God play? So the Gemara tells us, okay, Gemara that there are, 12 hours, there are 12 hours in the day. Okay? Tell me if you are as careful with your time as HaKadosh Baruch Hu. During the first three, the Holy One, blessed be He, sits and engages in Torah study. Okay, three hours, not bad. During the second three hours, He sits and judges the entire world. So far, so far six for six, every single second is used. During the third set of three, hour, uh, three hours, the Holy One, blessed be He, sits and sustains the entire world from the horns of wild oxen to the eggs of lice. Okay, nine for nine. What does He do in the last three hours of the day? During the fourth three hours, He sits and plays sports with the Leviathan. As it says, and it's a pasuk from Tehilim, Perak Kuftalad, Sham Anoyod Yehelechun, Leviathan Zeatarta Lesachegbo. HaKadosh Baruch Hu is, is playing a sport. It sort of reminds me, this is a bit of a bizarre association. I'm a big fan of National Geographic. Right? Anyone know what this is? Okay. There is a, uh, there's a story that I once watched of a man who saved a crocodile. The crocodile was about to die. He saved the crocodile. The crocodile uh, lived in the lagoon right outside his house. This is in Australia, of course, where you have lagoons with crocodiles in your, you know, right outside your house. And he would swim in the lagoon with the crocodile. Okay, and they, they, like, he was like his pet, okay? And the crocodile was, you know, felt at home in his house, and you can watch this on, on YouTube. We're going to add this to the thing, list of things we're sending out. Agadosh Baruch Hu is playing with the Leviathan. What's the meaning of this? This is a Midrash. What's the meaning of this? Rav Salavechik explains, based on the mitzvah, lihidamot bidrachav. We have to emulate HaKadosh Baruch Hu. We have to be like him. Okay, it's the last, uh, last uh, Rashi in the Torah, last idea in the Torah. What is the meaning of this, Rav Salavechik explains? A person needs to be playful in life. We need to laugh. We need to have fun. We need to joke around. We need to play some sports. We have to enjoy. It's important to enjoy life. That's what we learn from the story of HaKadosh Baruch Hu Aliviatan. And this is also true. To take some of the joy of Sukkot, some of the lightheartedness, being together, the singing, we've got to take that into the year. Okay, you've got to play some sports. It's important to, to have fun, to celebrate with friends. This is an important part. So this is message, uh, message number three. Message number four has to do with confronting our fears. Let's go back to that image of the Leviathan, the big whales in Hermanus. Okay? Now, what does fear come from? What does fear come from? Pachad. What does pachad come from? Pachad comes from the unknown. Whatever you don't know, you're afraid of. Right? In, in all the different movies, like scary horror films, you never see the bad guy fully. You always see like a part or a portion. You never you get a glimpse, but you don't actually see the full picture. Because when you see something, it takes away the fear. We're scared of the unknown. Why does Leviathan, why is it associated with fear, a pachad vira? Why? In terms of mythic cultures and, and historically, why? No? Anybody? Because it's dangerous. It's not just it's not so dangerous. They're more dangerous animals. What is it about the Leviathan? It's too big. You can't see it. You can't see the Leviathan. You see a part of it. A part of it comes out of the water. You can never see it in its full expanse. And it's in the ocean, which is, which is unknown. 
with the depths of the ocean. Okay, nowadays we could explore a little bit with scuba divers and with whatever, but but, but even then there's so much that's unknown in the in the uh, in the in the ocean. Now there's a beautiful article that I saw by uh, Netanel Alinson. I'm not quite sure who he is, but it's a very good article that was sent to me, and uh, and he says he makes the following connection. He says when Yonah goes into the whale, you know what whale that was? It says Bimei Hadaga, but you know what it was? It was actually Livyatan. Yonah has to go down there because he has to confront his fears. What are his fear? What's Yonah's greatest fear? What's his greatest fear? That they're going to do tshuva, but what's his greatest fear? That he's going to succeed at his mission. If he succeeds, Ninveh does tshuva, Am Yisrael then looks bad, Hashem's going to destroy Am Yisrael. He's afraid of succeeding, of getting Ninveh to do tshuva. Yonah goes down into the waters. He confronts his fear. He comes out of the water. What does he do? What's the very next thing he does? What's the next thing that Yonah does? Vayeshem mikedem l'ir vayasto sham. Vayasto sham. Sukkah. Yonah builds a sukkah. What's the connection here? We go into the Dag. We go into the Livyatan. During Rosh Hashanah, Yom Kippur. Yom Kippur, we're in the depths. We're confronting our fears, our sins, our failures, our mistakes. All the things that we don't want to confront, the relationships that we don't, we don't know how to deal with, the things that we don't want to look at, that we need to confront, the shame, the embarrassment, the busha. We confront that. We look at it straight in the eye. We do vidui. We get spat out of the Livyatan. And what do we do? We get up and we build the sukkah, just like, just like Yonah. And then we learn that, you know what? From our greatest fears... That becomes the source of our greatest strength. When we confront our greatest fears, when we go into the depths, when we enter the mouth of the Leviathan, we come out, then we could spring forward. Then we could really move forward into the, into the rest of the year. Okay, and that's the, that's the experience that we're going through. We're in the Leviathan, we come out, and we continue. And uh, fifth idea, presented Rabbi, Rabbi Nachum Lam. This is a drasha that he gives in 1961. He talks about hypersensitive Jews. He says there are a lot of Jews, a lot of us, we care too much about what people think. Okay? When a Jew's sitting at a business meeting and he has to go Davin Mincha, what does he say? What does he tell those what does he tell his team? What does the Muslim do in this situation? The Muslim pulls out his rug, okay, in the middle of the meeting and says, It's time for it's time for prayer. And he bows down right there, no shame, and he and he and he prays, right? What does a Jew do in this situation? I have to go to the bathroom. I have a, I, I've got a, I got a phone call. He goes into the phone booth, like standing at the edge of his car, opens the door, like do like we do all these like strange things, right? Let me find a corner in the airport, right? Right. Rabbi Lamb says we have to develop the thickness, the or shaliviatan. Jews need to be a little thicker in terms of not being so hypersensitive. Moshe Rabbeinu was attacked, and he was cursed at, and the Jews wanted to, to stone him. That's it, he continued doing what he needed to do. He fulfilled his tafkid, his mission. Zotah Bracha. The Rambam was attacked more than anybody else. Fulfills his mission. Just continues writing the Mishneh Torah. Doesn't care about all of his interlocutors and detractors and all the people attacking him. Right? The great leaders... Russian. Uh, of a thickness. Now, in this drasha, listen to what Rabbi Lamb says. 
He says the Jews need to learn a little bit from Khrushchev. Okay? Khrushchev was the former leader of communist Russia. Khrushchev, he was angry at the world, so he sets off a nuclear bomb. He does, goes, does a nuclear test. Okay, we, we shouldn't necessarily do that. But, but he says we've got to develop a thick skin. The Orosha Livyatan, all Jews need this. A certain pride, a certain toughness, a certain grit that we're not afraid. That we're not afraid. Okay? And one final, uh, one final quick message is, uh, again, going back to the walls of the sukkah as opposed to the, the schach. The, the Orosh Levitan is going to be about the walls. Now, in general, we don't care about what the walls look like. The walls, as long as they're basically sturdy, okay? Ideally, you build a sukkah with, like, sturdy wooden walls, okay? If not, you have curtains that are either strapped in tight or you put, we put strings around to uh, at least have ten... Uh, uh, ten uh, uh, um, to have ten uh, tefachim, that's, um, that's uh, you know, lavud. But, um, but hopefully one day, but there is one opinion, Rav Yoshia, on the Gemara, Masachat Sukkah, Dav who says that even the walls of the Sukkah also have to be made out of uh, kosher elements, not just the schach, even the walls. What's the difference between the, the, the ceiling, the, the schach and the walls? The walls are the means in order to have the, the top, the roof, without the the walls you don't have the roof so often we're so focused on getting to the getting to the end goal and we're willing to walk on people we're willing to to override morality and ethics and Torah values in order to get to accomplish what we want to accomplish at the end right this happens a lot in politics today the ends justify the means what this teaches us is that the real tzaddikim you know what they're going to be like the means they're going to care about the means the way that they get to the schach the walls also matter the way that you get to the schach is just as important as the schach itself. It also has to have the qualities of kashrut of the schach itself. Tzedek, bit tzedek, tirdof, okay, according to uh, the Targum. And uh, we have to pursue just ends through just means. Okay, in Bezrat Hashem, all of Amisol should learn this lesson this year. And Shaniske, Shaniske, Meshev Besukah, Shalarosh, Shalavyatan, many lessons here to take into the coming year. And uh, please God, this year, as Rav Tzvi said, all of Am Yisrael, Kol Kihilat Yisrael, will sit in the sukkah, the Oroshal Livyatan, and we're going to eat the basar, we're going to eat the meat of the, uh, of the Livyatan as well. Let's go.